you've fallen down the rock and roll rabbit hole. Welcome back to Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. I'm Kevin Gibson. And I'm Butch Bays. We're back again for yet another episode of Season 2, and this will be our penultimate episode of Season 2. Penultimate? Penultimate. Is this the last episode of Season 2? No, that'd be the ultimate. Oh, oh, ooh. (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah, but we've hit hit Canada, we've hit Australia, we've hit the UK several times. Right. And we want to thank our UK friends who are downloading. We, we are watching. Uh, yes. We, we had quite a few downloads uh, from the UK in the last uh, couple of weeks. So um, we're back here with a, with an American band. From the Republic of California. From, but, and, but the lead singer that tries to sound like he's British. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to have to talk about that. Whether intentionally sure. or otherwise. But the, that would be the, the band Green Day and their hit single, American Idiot. It's a big old single. All right, you want to... Time for Tale of the Tape, right? Tale of the Tape. Let's get right to it. American Idiot is a protest song by California rock band Green Day. The first single released and the title track of the album American Idiot in August of 2004. The single peaked at number 61 on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming Green Day's first Billboard Hot 100 chart entry, interestingly enough. Uh, It received positive reviews by critics... And was nominated for a uh, for four 2005 Grammy Awards, which included Record of the Year and the Best Music Video. It's considered one of the band's signature tunes, of course. Right. It went number 61 only in the United yeah. States, shockingly. And it went number one in the U.S. hating Canada, uh, U.K. and Scotland, number three, Croatia, and the home country of the Van Halen Brothers, the Netherlands, number four. But and only 61 in their home country. Only 61 Crazy. here. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that shows you what the, the Billboard Top 40 is and what, you know. It's funny. I'm, I'm not, I ain't mad about it. I'm just saying it's just funny. It's <laughs> I think funny. you're mad. <laughs> it rattled all around the world, didn't it? All right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do the opening ceremonies, and then we'll get into it. So today, since it's a California band, we got a California, the most California beer probably. I think it is the other most. Other than maybe Anchor Steam, that'd be a good one too, but Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Here we go. Hailing from Chico, oh, California. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Right there near uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there you go. This is a very consistent beer. A nice, just a good old pale. One of my pale ale uh, entry beers from way back. Oh, way. yeah, really? Yeah, this was one of the, the gateway to the IPAs later. And Yeah, Bluegrass Brewing Company here in Louisville had a pale ale that I loved. Oh, did they? It yeah. Was, it was very similar. So no product placement here, really, even though I'm setting that can out there. Yeah, they're not going to sponsor us. They're not going to sponsor us. Sponsor us. They could sponsor us so easy, really. They, they, they could. They could give us 30 bucks and a case of beer. <laughs> it would just be a mere blip. Oh, let's, let's cheers. cheers. Yes, yep. to rock and roll. So it's right. great to be back. We're really starting to get a different clip going here on the podcast. We're pumping them out. We're putting them on YouTube. So if you want to do us a huge favor, if you kind of like what you hear on this uh, podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a subscription to whatever format you're listening to uh, for your podcasts. And it would help us tons and let us know you're out there and uh, help us to spread the word you yeah. know, and spread okay. the love. Yeah. So, Green Day. So Yes, sir. I was really, really, really fanatical about music back in the 90s and 2000s and 
a colleague of mine, named, a guy named Kerry Stemley, who's a local writer and editor. We were we ran into each other, and he and he said uh, he and I were both music writers back in the day, and he said heard an album that it hasn't come out yet but i got a you know a promo copy so i think you really like it it's a band called green day and the album's called dookie i said okay what's it sound like he said sounds like he said it sounds like the ramones meets acdc that's what he told me that probably perked your interest well yeah tell me this going back to that day if you can remember i tried to think of what my impression was of hearing the name Green Day for the first time, and obviously the the provocative album title Dookie, what 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 were your thoughts there when he just that's all you I had to go I was just confused. Like, <laughs> exactly. What a weird band name, or what a weird album name. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so but, strange. But anyway, so I, I was you know the the uh, the swap meet that we used to go to all the time there here and come to Louisville like three times a year. Oh yeah, the big deal. You could deal. go and you could buy cheap Stuart vinyl promotions. And cheap, yeah. Yep. Super promotions. Yeah. And I went like two weeks later and was looking through a box of those four dollar CDs and I found a copy of Dookie with the gold foil stamp, you know, for promotion only. Oh. Still have that. And so your money was, did not go directly to Billy Joe no, Armstrong's pockets. Yeah, I was poor, still poor. All right, but same. I, but I bought it, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this home and listen to it. Well, I was com- completely blown away by it, just blown away. You know, Basket Case, and I mean, I was just like, this is my new band. So I went back and bought Kerplunk and, you know, the other stuff. So I was so excited when Insomniac came out. I was so ready for and I just didn't like it that much. Oh, sad. So this this started my up and down kind of relationship with Green Day. Y'all broke up a few times, yeah. did you? Yeah. Well, then, then, you know, a couple of years later, Nimrod came out, and I fell back in love. It's one of my favorite albums of all time is Nimrod. Honestly, right. I think it might be one of those 10 that I would take to a desert island. Sure. I love Nimrod that oh, much. Oh, good. Well, going back to Dookie, though, that was a very loud and proud-sounding album. I think that production kind of caught us off guard how how in your face it was in a way, but not in a, in a like overly it wasn't, uh, shrill or aggressive way. It wasn't it loud. Great. It was just aggressive. Yeah. It was just, it was pop, but it was aggressive. And so it yeah. was punk at the same time. And yeah. it was just all about this dissatisfaction with life and just, you know, <laughs> which, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm pretty nihilistic myself. So, I, you know, I was, I really took to it. It was snotty, yeah. snarky. Right. You know, they were always somewhat self-deprecating, I believe, as yeah, a band. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they they never portrayed themselves as a lot of, but, you know, kind of posturing as some kind of uh, band that had it all together, that were tough guys. They didn't have, yeah. they, they, feel like, they felt like the uh, mistreated, not the bullies, yeah. you know, to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then after Nimrod, I was excited for Warning to come out, and I had the same reaction to Warning. Warning, and I I wrote about it for the local magazine. I wrote a review, and I said, it's time to face the fact that Green Day is just a pop band. They've turned oh, into a pop band. Right. And that was probably the most damning thing I could ever say about Green Day. Right. You know, I just didn't like the album. And there was like, there was one song on it that it was the exact same chord changes as a song from Dookie. There was yeah. another song on it, exact same chord changes as an Elvis B-side called His Latest Flame. Exact oh, yeah, I remember that song. same sure. song. And I'm like, come on, guys. You could do better than this. I was so disappointed. I think if they could be accused of anything and convicted is of being mildly repetitive. Yeah, uh, and you know. somewhat, a little bit plagiaristic. 
it's hard not to absorb some of your influences. Yeah. If you're going to copy anybody, well, Elvis kids, is a good place. Kids to who were listening to that didn't know that his latest flame was a B-side. Uh, correct. They didn't know that song. Sure. I'm not even sure Green Day knew that song. I don't think they probably did. No. They probably had heard it along the way, and it just kind of popped out. <laughs> well, for my out purposes, on... I was like, oh. I mean, great song if you're going to steal one. But, <laughs> yes, it know. is. <laughs> but anyway, so when American Idiot came out, I had no interest. I was done with them. You were done? I was done. I didn't have any interest in them. I'm like, oh. well, you know, it's, uh. so I went into the the long-lost and beloved Ear Ecstasy, the record store yeah. here in town that was so popular. Yeah, that was our that was our tower oh, records. That was our big deal. I mean, yeah. payday. Okay. I went to Ear Ecstasy. Did you? And I buy two or three. I didn't care. I was just going to buy two or three albums. Right. So I went in there and they had all those listening stations. Remember? Yeah, it was a Everywhere. great. It was a great. So you place. could go and listen to it before you could sit there. You could stand there and listen to an entire album. No one would say boo to you. If you nice. got there first, you could listen to all five or ten albums in that station. That's a no good. one would say boo. A liberal listening policy. I like it. Yeah, sure. So I saw American Idiot, and I was like, well, I'll listen to one or two tracks. Of course, the first track on the album is American Idiot. Mm. And that was it was over after, you know, what, two and a half or three minutes. I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. You were you were ready. Like, yep. You didn't need song number because two. Because it was yeah. snarky. It was snotty, just like the arena that I loved. Right. You know, and it had something to say. Yes. And it was, you know, kind of witty. And I sort of agreed with it in terms of, you know, it was a protest song. Sure. I sort of agreed with the politics of it. I, you know, we were in a post 9-11 America where everyone was, you know, kind of in a bad mood about it. We had pulled together and then it was just like politics and we were at war and... You know, it just really hit me. In, in it a was a way. fairly sour time in, in yeah. our history. Um, 9-11 uh, brought so many uh, complex worries and stuff to our yeah. lives. Things that stuff we've, we've never, never considered. Thought of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. I think it was sort of like, I, I think I even considered briefly when when uh, the attacks on the trade centers happened that, that maybe there might even be a draft or something. You know, it yeah. was that. That intense, you know. I was, I mean, I was so mad, I was ready to go fight. I was in my 30s. I mean, I was just like, you know. Right. I'd be one of the first ones killed, but I wasn't ready to go. I was so mad. I kind of felt that way, too. It was was our Pearl Harbor. Yeah. is the only way to describe that. It was a Pearl Harbor for us. But uh, what a scary time. But only by 2004 could you probably start to, uh, you know. To Sa- safely seeing, complain a little. Yeah, yeah. to see what was going on. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and maybe you don't agree with that, and that's fine. We're not here to be political in any way. We're talking about what the song was about. Right on. You know, and that's part of why it resonated with me. Yeah. Um, so what, what you probably saw this, too, is that Billy Joe Armstrong was, was heard a Leonard Skinner song talking about how they were, like, proud to be a redneck. And he yeah. said, why in the world would you want to be that? And why are you proud of this? He's like, this is what I'm against. He said, when I, when he got to the studio and they started first creating the American Idiot album, he walked in. He said, I looked at the band members and said, do you mind that I'm gonna write this and say this? He was, you know, putting it all down. Together. Oh, that's a good courtesy. And they were like, no, we agree, go for it. And that's what started the album rolling about that. You know, kind of, we're gonna make this sort of a concept album with some political stuff, with some social commentary, and the whole album is sort of about how. All these people who go on this journey that they think is going to take them somewhere good, and it doesn't. It's it's a way, I, I think at this point, 
agree with Green Day or not, which I have some problems with some of their stances, but sure. But it's a way to make your band all the way. Live also, on. I quit the show now. No. Oh no, so yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but it's a way to <laughs> for Green Day have become important and remembered beyond their years. Other than that was a catchy band that wrote some good yeah. catchy tunes and sold a lot of records. At some point you have to do something with a little meat on the bone, I yep. think, to become one of those artists that people will talk about twenty, fifty years from now. So yep. yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So the song, according to Billy Joe Armstrong, says contains themes of quote unquote fear and xenophobia per American Songwriter magazine. Oh, okay. And yep. it really, you know, it goes after the media, sort of blaming the modern media. And this was at a time when all the cable media news shows had all the, you know, it's exactly what we're going through now. Yes. All these different messages coming at you, you know, and so. I think that is a good, good thing to complain against because. Yeah. I think the American media is a very sensationalizing. I think once ratings started coming in for doing what is, I feel like tabloid journalism pretty much across the board. It's cynical and sensational at the same time. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Yeah, terrible, rough. Which is why I don't bother with, with it. I mean, I, I choose my spots. and Yeah, same here. Uh, yeah. But like the, the, the lines from the song, I don't want to be an American idiot, don't want a nation under the new media. Can you hear the sound of hysteria, the subliminal mind, America? Yeah, right. You can you can bleep that out, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Should be very easy to bleep that out yeah. at this point. Yeah. Mind, mind frick. Okay, there you go. Nice. Okay. Sure. But, you know, when I, when I like heard heard those words i was like oh dang that's that's taking a risk here i think he was taking a risk, he was taking a risk. I, I commend him for that yeah yeah he was he could have got flattened for that yeah yeah because so. they were i mean they were a they were stars you yes. know that warning album is as mediocre as i thought it was sold 3.5 million copies or it mm. has sold at this point yeah probably not that many at that point but pr- you know probably oh, half sure. that at least yeah not more yeah, they had so, something to lose. Let's put it that way. They 100%. had something. something His bandmates said, "Let's do it." You know, cool. We'll, we'll get to to why they did it shortly here. Um, so he said uh, he told Spin Magazine in 2004 when the album came out. He said the song's about the confusion of where we're at right now. My education was punk rock. What the Dead Kennys said. What the Operation Ivy said. It was attacking America, but it was also American at the same time. So, which is what he's saying is, I'm complaining to try to make things better. Because it, which people, is what people the, took it as yeah. being, you're not, you're not American, you're not. But he was saying, no, I'm trying to point out reality so that we can fix it and turn it around. It's the same thing Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young did back in the '60s, and uh, bands like Buffalo Springfield, yeah. where they were just saying, you know, hey, let's think about some of this, and I think that's fair enough. And I mean, they came out of Berkeley. They're going to have a certain kind of politics. Yep. I think it's okay. I mean, if they're willing to take the knocks for putting it out there, I, I commend them for that. Yeah, you know, so. I totally agree. And I felt like when I looked into the lyrics of this song, I thought I might get a little hacked off at them. I thought maybe it was an anti-American song, which worried me. Yep. But it was a more like watch watch out what you're digesting and what you're right. believing be more, in. Be more responsible. Be re- be more responsible and and taking the media to task, which I think it, it it resounds just as much today. It's as relevant right now as it's ever been. You know, that's what's amazing uh, yeah. about it. Here it is, twenty year, almost twenty years later, and it still is is relevant. 
Sure. Which is crazy. No doubt so, about it. And so this is before social media was as powerful as this today. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so another, another you know, verse from the song, uh, Welcome to a new kind of tension. I guess that's a pre-chorus. Welcome to a new kind of tension all across the alien nation. Yeah. I love that, alien nation. It was an interesting play on words, yes. Where everything isn't meant to be okay. Ooh. Which he's saying that, that there are puppet masters up there. They don't want it to be okay. And he's, again, lashing out at the media. Again, right now. And now, to me, that's <laughs> yeah. even almost more relevant to social media and the people who are controlling that. Sure. And now we've got bots and we've got AI coming in that's going to divide us further. Oh, that's... You know, there's yeah. some scary stuff coming into social media, which, <laughs> I mean... It is scary. The New York Times have published a, a conversation between one of their reporters and an AI, and they published the entire transcript, and it was pretty scary. Pretty some hard to things, imagine it wasn't some like of the a thing, sentient right, being. Some of the things that these this AI was saying was like... Very promotional, but also like a little scary at times. It's going to bring on a whole new generation of Luddites that like turn off the computers, stay away from every kind of electronics. the ones who will start chatting with AI and believe everything it says. Yikes. And that's just going to increase mass murder because because the the AI is drawing from what's already online. Yeah, which is kind of an angry pile of stuff, right? It's an angry... (laughs) steaming pile of stuff <laughs> oh goodness so, gracious, so it's almost yeah. it's it's amazing it's kind of amazing and also very very sad this song is still so relevant because we've oh, nothing's agree. been fixed i agree nothing's it kind fixed. of makes you sort of uh, whatever the opposite of optimistic is <laughs> yeah it's a little pessimistic moment you know when you think about all that it's uh I would like to think we were getting somewhere. Uh, my brother uh, commented this morning that, you know, there's fears of nuclear war right now. Yeah. How could that still be a thing we're talking about or worrying about, you know? So, yep. I don't know. Got balloons floating around everywhere. Yeah. Things are, things are weird. <laughs> it's humans, pretty humans weird. Humans just don't, they don't seem to learn. They don't, uh, they just don't seem to care about the survival of the species. It's all about what, what can we gain now? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go there, but. Well, yeah. So, what I want to get into is the overarching question that I want to ask. Yes. And so, Green Day, hardcore Green Day fans know all this backstory, and I'm no longer a hardcore fan. I was once upon a time. Right. I consider myself uh, uh, agnostic to Green Day. That's, and that's fine. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Go we're, ahead. We're talking about a good song here. Uh, very so much so. I'm going yeah. to go into a story that I started hearing about around 2004, 2005. Okay, good. And so, after warning... Uh, which came out in 2000, Green Day went to the studio and recorded an album that was going to be called Cigarettes and Valentines. Yeah, this is so interesting to me. Yeah, go and ahead. Apparently they were almost done mixing the album. They had all, it, all the tracking was done. And they came in one morning after leaving the studio the night before, came in and like all the master tapes were gone. So they were still recording on tape. Old school. That, I like they were that. All, had been stolen over, like the, overnight, and no, they had no clues as to who it might have been. They had backups that, for whatever reason, the bass player Mike Dirt said they just weren't the same. Oh, I mean. So, so what do you think happened? Can, can I stop you there and ask? I, I have no idea. If they don't know. It feels like an inside job. He does. It feels like one of the they band members. Ticked somebody off for something. Well, maybe that, or maybe Billy Joe just decided, I don't like 
what we're making. And some people say it's an urban legend. Some people say, you know, that's a, they they still have all that. They just were like, and so. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So what I what I've read is there were about twenty songs that have been completed. They were going to pick from those to make the album up, probably eleven or twelve. Right. And so. I remember taking my son Scott to see Green Day in 2005 on oh, that tour. Did? Yeah, wow. we went to Louisville Gardens, which is now being prepped to be a movie studio. Is it really? Things, yeah. Wow. And so, but Mike Dirt from the stage, he said, "By the way, if anyone knows what happened to our cuss oh. word master tapes, somebody stole them. Let us know if you know who stole them." And I had read a little thing about that. And I thought, oh, this must be a real thing. I thought it was just a, <laughs> Well, he sounded he a little mad. passionate. Sure. He was mad. <laughs> but they decided when they got, when they decided, because they went their separate ways according uh, according to uh, their producer. Um, why is his name escaping me now? Yeah, Cameron. I, mean, uh, uh, yeah, I can't get there. remember, yeah. But, but uh, they were like, they just went their separate ways for a while because they were like, we're not going to just go and re-record this. We're, you know, we've spent all this money and time. It would be hard to climb that mountain again. You know, it? you're yeah. never going to play those songs with the same ferocity, the I same agree. passion. Sure. So they went their separate ways for a while and were doing their own thing. They didn't break up per se, as far as I know, but they were like, eh, let's just go and forget this for a while. So when it came time for them to decide, you know, to really decide, you know, they said, let's do something completely different. And they, I remember hearing at the time, they said, what we recorded was just another collection of Green Day songs. Let's do something cohesive. Let's do something that matters. And that's how American Idiot came about. That's that's really what inspired it to happen. Rob Cavallo. Rob Cavallo. Thank, thank hey. you. He produced a lot of my favorite California bands. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But he said when they came back in the studio and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something different. He told MTV at the time, the truth is when they started making American Idiot they were each living their own separate lives, and no one was really sure how the chemistry was going to be. They all had to deal with a lot of personal stuff before they could be great again. And when they first came to me and said, let's get the band back together and make the best rock record we can, I wasn't totally sure they could do it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Cavallo was, like, unconvinced after what they went through. I just think there has to be a uh, wild. Yeah, I just think the angst has to be down a little once you've made a lot of money seen the whole world with your music you'd think so right i mean yeah. i think it's probably harder to gather up like but if motivation you're, to make if tunes you like this fancy yeah. yourself an artist and someone steals your work <laughs> yeah that would create angst in me well the, the fact that they abandoned those songs is the most curious thing to yeah. me because i mean i don't think any of them says they lost anything of great great value when really, really, that's what made me think is that, okay well was it just a follow-up to warning that didn't, you know, that wasn't going to be any better, and they kind of realized that. I think they felt that way. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like, it's almost like they they took time to think about it and said, it's just another Ring Day album. Which you know, there's nothing special about it. <laughs> right. So let's just start over. I mean, <laughs> I can sort of see that in a way. I mean, sure. Even though you're on top of the world, you know, you're going to sell at least a million or two albums of, of this stuff. Right. You know, what are we going to do to make ourselves matter, like you said? They were sort of riding their own coattails in a way. They were. Know? They could have done that for a while. And yep. 
but they were uh, way less relevant than they were during the Dookie era, you know, when that came out. I mean, I feel like the, the reason they first came to so much prominence was, was the death of Kurt Cobain. Yeah. They had released their album about three months before he died. And there was a huge vacuum there. And and the world was needing a new, you know, rock champion to carry the flag that Kurt Cobain dropped. You know, I mean, he was an amazing artist and, and an important artist. And I, I think the... the the whole rock community mourned. I remember watching that oh, on MTV 100%. News and dying with you know with that because it was such a heartbreak for you know that whole moment of rock and roll just seemed to be ascending again with the grunge moment you know. Yep. But I felt like when when uh, Green Day came on the scene, they felt more optimistic somehow than the grunge element had. They, well, musically for sure. It was just Southern California. They were, yeah, they were more snarky than they were just, you know, angst-ridden and and, and, and and yeah. I'm trying to look for the phrase that I can't, can't quite come up with now, but you know, like <laughs> like the whole world's a dead end. Well, they were just snarky right. about what's in the now. True, they were writing about masturbation and you know they they had more optimism than Seattle. I feel like it just kind of was a. I think we needed an uplifting moment, and they were giving us that, whether they were complaining or not. You know, of course, every young guy has you know got they were they were complaining, but in a, in a more clever way, in a less a less nihilistic way, a less kind of like you know the world is ending kind of way. A little more fun, a yeah. little more humor. So you know, I think you know, that like the that, song "Welcome you know, to Paradise" is like about living in a terrible neighborhood and saying to your parents, "Hey, you know, this is this is who I am now." <laughs> you know, but it's like a very happy sounding chorus. You know, welcome to paradise. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's so it's, yeah. To me, that's what hooked me about that album is it was very much like the Ramones. Because oh, the Ramones could sing about, you know, there's something in the basement. I don't want to go down there. There's, you know, the, the KK take took my baby away. Yeah. But you're still jumping around the room having fun. It was closer to that than right. what the Seattle thing was. Oh, yeah. The Seattle thing was getting pretty grim. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and we've lost so many lead singers out of Seattle and stuff. It's good that Green Day didn't follow a similar fate. Yeah. And, I mean, I think they've put together now their legacy band. They're probably the most important band, one of the most important bands of their generation, if not the. I think they were played at everybody's prom. <laughs> you know, uh, the radio was just like belching out Green Day all day yeah. long for probably what over ten years. And they were, and they were a very engaging band on stage when I saw them. Um, so, how was the energy at that show? Was it was fantastic, a, fantastic. That you saw them right at the pinnacle, yeah. I believe, of their. Well, they 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 had, they had started their ritual of they are going to play a Ramon song. They start playing. I think it was Blitzkrieg Bop. And then they would bring, okay, who can play bass? And they'd bring a bass player up on stage. Fill in. Here's what you play. And then they'd say, well, let's get a guitar player up on stage. And then let's get a drummer up on And so, all, suddenly the band's standing around. Oh, they got a whole other. <laughs> and they, yeah. And they, they would give these kids. They always got like 15-year-old kids up there who probably had never been on the stage before in their lives but could play, knew the songs. And they they gave them the guitars. I've seen a few clips yeah. of that. That's been yeah. really fun. They to, the guitars yours to keep. And they, that's a fun they, they moment. Like, I think you signed it. You know, I mean that's that's, cool. that's a, an engaging you sure. know thing for an audience. And another one, relations. you know the 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 big hit, uh, Good Riddance, Time of My Life. Oh yeah, boy, that's a yeah forever. Hit. Billy Joe sure. walked up to the mic and said, "We got to get this crap over with, so let's just do it." And they did it super fast, really? just to get it over with. Yeah. Oh man, 
I've heard uh, Beck used to play loser on a boombox and just step aside and play it. <laughs> I guess people get really tired of their big hit or, you know, and they got to oh, do yeah. something to well, entertain themselves. They'll be called for the knack, the golden albatross. That's what there you Doug go. Figer said, the golden albatross. So uh, my overarching question for this episode then. Okay, good. What if someone had not stolen those master tracks and the band says that they have, you know, they, they still have copies of the songs but they're not like i said not the same they right. don't want to release them sure what if they had never been stolen and they had released cigarettes and valentines as it was done would american idiot ever have gotten made because they would have been a couple three years away from 9-11 they would have been you know a couple of years from the emotions of that sure would it have, we may not have it now They'd have had to support that album. Exactly. They would have been on tour which, for which two years. Probably two another years. Another year plus to record. Yeah, that gives you a big cycle. They would have been in a different place emotionally, physically, financially, <laughs> everything. And, and I felt like they were they were on a slippery slope to irrelevance at the time. Yes. So this is a really a comeback story. It really 100%. is a comeback story. Yeah. And, it, and it followed the pattern of my relationship with the Green Day of up, down, up, down. <laughs> And you know, I thought, well, they're just going down now. I know they, well, they went back up unexpectedly. A little roller coaster. But would cigarettes and Valentine have pushed it up, or would it just stay level and started us slowly? We may never know unless they let us listen to those master tapes, and you know, the, or, the, or the what the backups. The, and the, <laughs> the consensus is that's never going to happen. So, so the the demo track for the title track, cigarettes and Valentines, apparently was found last year. Oh, but there's no evidence that. Any of that will ever be released. Now, huh. in in 2010, they recorded uh, "Cigarettes of Valentine" the the song at a concert, and they released it as a live track. It was the first time I think it had ever been played live. Uh, did you hear it? I did listen to it. It's a video. You can see the video. On so, YouTube. what do you think of the song? I thought it was just okay. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I thought it was a Green Day song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I sent you. So one of the songs that they said, okay, this is good enough to put out there, was called Too Much Too Soon. Right. And that was the B-side to American Idiot. Well, when I bought that single immediately, because I was a single buyer, I still am. Right, good. Because especially if there's a song I don't have on the back, I'm going to buy it. I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> good enough. And so I, to, I listened to that. I'm like, this is fantastic. Why would they put this on the album? Why would this get lift off this album? Why? Why? Mm, I didn't know then. Interesting. Now yeah. I know that it was just a... This is the one song left over that we feel good enough to put out there. And it's a banger. And by the <laughs> way, I'm going to put the uh, the video link to both of those songs uh, in the show notes. Nice. Good. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it shows them in full form of their original sort of selves of balancing social commentary with just good hard rock and pop punk. Right, you know, which right. is what I loved about them to begin with. That song could have easily been on Dookie, could have easily been on Nimrod. Right. So, but it, it cycles back to what they said back in 2004 or five. It was just another Green Day album, right? So there are other songs that. So there's a there's a some dude with connections to the band who lives in Southern California, okay, <laughs> and who is who does the history on this. Yeah. There's all these theories about these different B-sides of this. Oh, well, this was going to be on that album. This was going to be on... This guy's like, nope, that was recorded in 2008. That was oh, recorded so in he, 2007. Uh, yeah. He knows. So there are four other 
confirmed titles from band interviews, apparently, that this guy has collected. Okay, good. Four other songs were going to be called Waste Away, Sleepyhead, Cluster Bomb, and Dropout. And those all just sound like Green Day pop songs. They certainly do, yes. They just sound like one-off pop songs. Right. (laughs) Nothing against that. I like Green Day one-off pop songs. Just good, simple fun. But it's more evidence that they got to that point and said... Are we gonna are we gonna just re-record this at all at our own expense and uh, you know or are we gonna just move forward and do something that'll de- redefine us as a band? And I think that the stealing of those tapes really was a favor to them in the long run. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. I just uh, I gotta speculate whether they stole them themselves or not. But I mean that's just all just pure speculation. Yeah, Who knows? and we'll never know because they're never gonna tell us the truth. Why would they? Um, but I love a good rock mystery. I'm exactly. happy, I'm happy exactly with that. That's exactly what it is, man. It's one of the ultimate rock mysteries. <laughs> but yeah, the, I think once they hit this high with uh, American Idiot, they never again went back down the hill. I'm not talking about what their material is. but it's They just became a pantheon of bands yeah. that can tour I lost anytime interest. and sell out stadiums. I, I, I bought the next album, didn't care for it. I bought one of their newer albums... Maybe five years ago, listened to it two or three times and was like, nope. Yeah. The, the magic's gone for me. Still neat, though, to work through these touchstones and see what they yeah. did. And Yeah. It was I a actually, big part of my life at the yeah. time. I was really, I was a huge green. I've got yeah. two or three Green Day shirts, which I almost dug one out to wear tonight. But Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I've got like a Kerplunk shirt. I mean, I was buying Too all Too far down stuff. in the pile, are they? <laughs> oh, my God. I've got like two or three I cases of I think you probably have a million dollars worth of old uh, concert T-shirts that we no, because I had we might I had market. bad taste in music. I got oh well, <laughs> I got punk and like people, like bands that no one's ever heard of. You know, well, I think that's okay. That's kind of good. I mean, th- those will be in less supply. So. That's true. You just got to find the right people. I guess know? that's that's probably the hard part. Yeah. Uh, so going into all this, I even uh, delved into what the lyrics were for. Uh, uh, that's the way I like it by Leonard Skinner to see what they were railing against. It was pretty innocuous. Not a whole lot. Of, I'm not uh, surprised. Not a whole lot of really controversial things in that song. I'm not. Surprised. I think just the spirit of it. Yeah. Um, was kind of. Uh, well, he was he was mad at the time. You he, know, was he was mad at the time. But uh, I think there's a few things that we might look at in this Leonard Skinner song oh. in defense of Southern rock. That really, uh, I think what they were, they weren't really does taking the stand. Does it mention stand. Neil Young? In a, in a well, it does way. not mention Neil Young. <laughs> this is writ, written by Johnny Van Zant and the Boys, okay. who has no, I think he would readily admit, no uh, Ronnie Van Zant, you know, the the man that wrote all those songs that we know and love. But uh, he, he said, I like biscuits and gravy, not champagne and caviar, was the general thing. Uh, I don't have a Mercedes. I like a truck. These are sort of those general uh you know country uh say modern country memes yeah yeah well it's very much like that tractors and, but, uh, and anyway he says i like my women hot <laughs> my beer uh ice cold i think we can get with that my a real fast car and my whiskey old which i thought you might like that yeah. uh that line but he he says i like to drive slow down a dirt road which i i like my roads paved generally yeah <laughs> Not a whole lot here. The only maybe controversial, which I think maybe you know, is interesting that this is controversial. American flag, it makes me proud, and that's the way I like it. So, you know, just 
he said he won't let stand in line for coffee. Nothing really here that's really too awful, yeah. you know. But it it inspired a great work of art. So you know, and this is not a work of art here. This is no Bob Dylan. It I got to say, it inspired a, someone who's already snarky <laughs> and mad to yeah. a protest song. But I just expect that's a great irony, though. It's a great irony. I just that he was mad about so many big things, and that's what. That's what off. did it. Yeah. Like, I looked through that and I thought, oh, this might be just a real crazy, you know, like raiding on Californians or whatever. Right. I think the closest they got is standing in line for coffee. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's <laughs> not his cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's a, a, that's a nice turn of a phrase. That honestly. is a good yeah. turn of a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. Well, I'm glad we're back at it, man. I'm yeah. feeling so good about this. Um, we, we're going to have another one that's going to come out in a week or two. Uh, we don't know yet yeah. what song. Right, we yeah. we, we kind of do these on the fly. We just kind of pick stuff that we want to get to. And we have a list. and We pick them week to week, you know. It's like sometimes, living paycheck yeah. to paycheck, you know. Which we, I think we also do that, but, you know. it's Too bad we don't get paychecks for this. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Please subscribe and help us out. I mean, my goodness. Uh, but that makes another good episode. We got uh, one more to go this, uh, you know, for yep. season two. And we'll two. probably take a break. We have a couple shows. We'll So we'll probably do our show in March, and then we'll come back uh, later in the spring to start season three. Yeah, we'll try to think of something really special and and fancy for the last show. Of and season if you two. if you have any ideas, uh, hit us up on our Facebook page or yeah, our YouTube. Uh, and let us know what you'd like to hear us do. So one more time to Green Day to California, to Day. To Sierra Nevada. Cheers, y'all. See you next time. Or well, we won't see you, but. I ain't mad about it. I'm just saying it's just funny. It's just <laughs> I think funny. you're mad. <laughs> I'm a little mad.